0: Hello and welcome to the Feeling Good podcast. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and joining me here in the Murietta studios is the creator of the team model, Dr. David Burns. Hi, David. Hi, Fabrice. Dr. David Burns has been a pioneer in the development of cognitive therapy, and he is the creator of the new team therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 20 languages. He is an emeritus adjunct clinical professor of psychiatry at the Stanford University School of Medicine. Uh, so David, today is uh, part two of our uh, um, podcast on uh, the agenda setting, A equals agenda setting part. And last time we talked about you know what is resistance, the, the eight kinds of resistance. And uh, I'm sure that people are kind of eager to, to understand. So now that we know what resistance is, what do we do about it so we're going to talk about you know the the actual paradoxical agenda setting and how do we do this today right
1: a- absolutely and it's it's uh, to me a phenomenally exciting theme because if you learn how to melt away the patient's resistance or the client's resistance what, whatever word you want to use it opens up the door for some in many cases phenomenally high speed uh, re- recovery I I just got back from uh, Canada as well we've had a little uh, hiatus in, in recording here, we skipped last week and I did two four day intensives uh, on team therapy mm-hmm. and as part of it I did a live demonstration at, at each work, workshop and had uh, volunteers who'd had very uh, severe uh, feelings of, de- of depression, one uh, for women for for forty years wow uh, and uh in both of the demonstrations, there was a total elimination of of the of the these individuals' symptoms they they was about both were about two hour uh, demonstrations that included teaching for the group while I was treating these individuals mm-hmm. and it was really because of the paradoxical, what we call paradoxical agenda setting, melting away their, their resistance to change. And it was extremely clear in one of these cases that if I had not done that, I, I wouldn't have made any progress at all, because the, the woman was pretty determined to, to to cling to to her symptoms of guilt and shame and and, and, and depression, and then yeah. I also worked with many other of the therapists. We would go hiking in the evenings, and, and we did personal work on things. You know, one was a young guy, and he just broken up with his girlfriend, and he was telling himself, "I should be further along by now." A, a thing yeah. we've we've often heard yep, from right. people, and he was he he was lonely and kind of beating up on himself. Uh, and and in those cases, the the people really recovered. Within, a, I mean, this is going to sound ludicrous to to say this, but it 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 is it is a fact, and that's why I'm reporting that that they 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 recovered completely from from their feelings of depression and, and guilt. A number of, each and, of and them that's rather about,
0: amazing. But you know? it
1: took about twenty minutes. Is my point? Yeah. Uh, and and it was just a combination of. Uh, condensed paradoxical agenda setting, followed by a technique we'll do in a future podcast: externalization of voices. Yeah, and, and it was it was just it was it was really mind mind boggling.
0: So I think uh, by now our listeners are really curious to find out. So how how do I melt this resistance? No, I'm, I'm sure not, that I'm not going to tell. Okay, all right. So uh, next, <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: give an example of of, of it, and, and uh, but each each patient it will be done differently. Yeah, and and it's it, it's it's different for depression versus anxiety versus you know angry people with relationship problems versus habits and addictions. But I'll I'll try to give a, a vignette to kind of, to kind of bring many features paradoxical okay, gender yes. to, to life. Uh, there was a young man, and I always disguise the the identities uh, and uh, and and the names of of, of people. Uh, but uh, let's say his, his name was Ramesh uh, he was a, a computer program programmer from India who's, who was living in Philadelphia and he came to me uh, and the, the initial testing I, I, I did before I even spoke to him just with the, the brief mood survey indicated he had severe depression uh, severe anxiety and severe to extreme uh, f- feelings of anger and um, and so after I took his history, empathized, formed a kind of a connection with him, I, I asked him, and he was very upset about a lot of things in his life and a lot of things at work, and, and, I, and I asked him what we call the invitation step. Of, what you know, is that? The, that's where you ask the patient, after you've empathized and, and you, you've got a good connection and the patient feels understood and uh, gives you an A on empathy, they feel accepted, and you see how they're thinking and how they're they're feeling, and you ask the patient, "Is there something here that you want help with?" because sometimes patients, clients, whatever word you want, are just wanting to talk and they want to be listened to they're they're not trying to change anything in their life. but in this case, uh, ramesh sa- said yes he he really did want my help mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I think he probably picked up a copy of the book feeling good and, and was you know, hopeful, yeah. hopeful that I could use some of these te- techniques with him. And, and so then I did the next step of agenda setting, which we call specificity, and it's based on the idea I can only help a person for one moment in their life when, when they were upset. I can't help people on a general level uh, like so many therapists will try to be changing some general pattern in a patient through general talk about childhood or parents or, or whatever. This is radically different. And I said, but I'm glad, Ramesh, that you want help. Uh, which of the many problems you've been talking about would, would you like to work on first? And, and he said, well, my low self-esteem. And then I did the second half of, par- of uh, the specificity step, is can you give me a moment when you, when right. you had that problem?
0: So the, the specificity, the, the first part is which of the, the problems, and then the second part is when did it happen?
1: Yes, uh-huh. and uh, so he said, well, uh, Dr. Burns, I had uh, low self-esteem yesterday uh, morning at 930 30. Mm, and, that's very specific. Yeah, that's very specific. So, so like I said, right like, now, I'm okay, but no, yesterday yeah. morning it was bad. Yeah. So I, I said, "Well, uh, where were you at nine thirty? What was going on? What were you thinking? What were you feeling?" And and he said, "Oh, I was just walking out of my uh, supervisor's office or his boss's office." And I said, "Well, uh, what what was the meeting with your boss about?" She said, "Oh, I, he said oh, I got my." my performance evaluation
0: hmm.
1: and I said well h- how was it and, and and he said well he said it was terrible uh, the, she read that the people on my computer team have been saying that I'm not a good team member I'm not helping I'm not I'm not carrying my weight that I don't that I don't relate to people well that and, sounds pretty bad yeah and on and on uh, you know all these severe criticisms of his of his work and his relationships with people uh, and I said wow that, that sounds that sounds pretty, uh, pretty upsetting, uh, pr- pretty disturbing. What, wh- how did you react? What, what did you say to her? And he started getting very angry, and, and, and he, sa- he said, I told her uh, that, that there, it's, it's unfair, that there's a conspiracy against me because I have long hair and dark skin and because I'm from India. Oh, wow. And, and because I'm smarter than anyone else on that team, and I should be the head of that computer team. I should be the head of the, uh, the company, I, I, I told her. Well, he had and,
0: a chip on his shoulder, huh?
1: Yeah, and it, it's, all on, it's, it's all unfair, and, mm. and you know, the, 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 this isn't right. And I said, "Well, how did she react to that?" One <laughs> can imagine. <laughs> he said, "She she just ignored me, and, and she 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 told me that if I didn't shape up, that she, I I was going to be fired in in six weeks. That I she put me on probation for for six weeks, and I went out of that office feeling like like a total loser." Mm-hmm. Now, we know what he means when he says he has low self-esteem. We've turned it into something very specific that we can work on. Now, the next step of... And I'm sure
0: most of us listening to this can even, at a gut level, identify with how he might have been feeling. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, Now, uh, the next step is called uh, conceptualization. One of the unique things about team therapy is you don't treat a diagnosis, you don't treat a disorder... You treat a human being for what they want help with, the moment they want help. And they can talk about any moment in their life and could be any kind of problem going on. So what we want to do is conceptualize the nature of of the problem. And there's four things to choose from to make it simple.
0: Wait wait a minute here. So you're saying that um, if somebody comes to me and says, you know, doctor, I'm depressed... You're going to say, well, I can't treat your depression. I have to treat you. I mean, how how would you present that to your patient? Well, if they want help patient, with the yeah.
1: depression, uh, that, that's a great thing. If that's the problem they want help with, yeah. uh, then I would like say, the, give the, me a this moment. This person
0: wanted uh, help with his self-esteem, for example.
1: Yeah, and that's like saying I don't want help with my depression, because low self-esteem is kind of a synonym yeah, for, for depression. Right. Yeah, but. If someone says, I want help with depression, it would be the same thing. So I'd say, I'd love to work with you on your depression. It's one of my, my favorite things to treat, and I have tons and tons of powerful tools. But can you give me a moment you were feeling depressed so we can zero in on what was happening at right. that moment? Yeah. Once you get the moment, you you do your conceptualization, and, and there's, there's four choices. The first choice, it might be an individual mood problem. That would be uh, depression or anxiety or shame or inadequacy, inferiority, or any of the synonyms. Panic, uh, you know, worrying, uh, anything under the depression or anxiety umbrella would be an individual mood problem. Yeah,
0: mood problem. Yeah.
1: Uh, A second uh, possible. Conceptualization would be a relationship problem, conflict with, with someone, marital conflict, right. uh, not getting along with a family member or neighbor yeah. or colleague or whatever. Uh, third uh, conceptualization would be habit or addiction, like uh, overeating, procrastinating, alcohol, drugs, mm-hmm. you know, anything in that area. And then a fourth conceptualization would be, and it's probably not a good name for it, but non problem. And by that I mean, hmm. Uncomplicated grief where a person doesn't have any distorted thoughts they don't need psychotherapy they, they don't need prozac, all they need is a chance to vent and cry and and, and get the feelings out
0: so so um hm i i'm a little bit uh, um, confused about the term if somebody comes to me, which happens sometimes you know saying you know i I lost my, my husband, uh, you know, he died you know, six months ago, and I'm feeling really depressed. Um, I, I don't imagine myself saying to this person, well, this is a non-problem.
1: It's not a good term, that, okay. that, that's for sure. Uh, grief uh, that you see in the therapy office is, is usually complicated by, by distorted thoughts. Uh, for example, the physician whose brother committed suicide, I think I may have mentioned her on an earlier podcast, I'm not sure, but she she came to me with suicidal d- depression yeah. because she thought that she had failed her brother, that she should have known he was suicidal right. yeah. the day he killed himself. And so she w- had self-blame and, and, and a number of distorted thoughts that were actually preventing her from doing healthy grieving. That would be complicated grief. But if a person has no cognitive distortions and they, they they love someone and and they're flooded with emotion and and there's no anger or guilt or you know anything like that's going on, then those emotions are, are healthy. They it isn't something really that that needs treatment. Okay. Sadness is a okay. part of life and it's, right. it's a beautiful thing in a way that shows that we can love. Okay, if, if we didn't love. If we weren't filled with passion for life, we wouldn't have grief. Okay, so of that us.
0: makes sense. Yeah. So, so to summarize, you said there were four conceptualizations that you talked about. So the the mood issues, the relationship issues, the habits and addiction, and the let's call that grief. You know, yeah.
1: Um, now, Complicated or uncomplicated. Grief? Yeah. Now. Uh, or uncomplicated grief, in, yeah.
0: in a way that that seems um, to to me that seems like it's it's it sounds a little bit simplistic when you look at the DSM. Like, there's like 300 plus um, uh, conditions, and you're conceptualizing into four possibilities, one of which is is not even uh, pathological. So, yeah. can you say more about that?
1: Well, you could add more categories like you know, psychosomatic complaints like chronic pain or kids with kind of neurologic or pseudo-neurologic problems who, who shout out loud and, you know, grunt and involuntary things like that. But the the neat thing about this conceptualization is is this is what probably 90% of the people you see in a clinical practice will be struggling with and wanting help with, even if someone has a severe diagnosis like schizophrenia, mm-hmm. which is a true brain disorder, still they rarely want help with hallucinations and delusions because they don't believe they have delusions but what they generally want help with is depression or anxiety or relationship problems you know the same same kinds of yeah the same kinds of things so at any rate um the the reason you conceptualize it is because that's going to tip you off what resistance the patient's going to put up. That's right. And it so, also gives you a hint about what methods you're going to use to help the patient because you know. And I teach in my seminar at Stanford and in my workshops 50 basic therapy methods. I, I use more than that, probably 75 or 100 or more, but there's there's 50 that I teach. as yeah. kind of a beginner's toolkit. Good some start. Of those, yeah, good. And, and some of them work for depression really well. Others are suitable for anxiety disorders. Some are good for relationship problems and some are good for habits and addictions it's just not true that one size fits all and so here we have Ramesh and and we want to conceptualize he said he wanted help with low self-esteem but now when he says what really went on we, we 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 see that there there's a bit more to it how would you conceptualize Ramesh's problem
0: well um Definitely, it really sounds like there's a there's a mood problem in a way because um, he's feeling bad about himself. Yeah. Uh, you know, definitely some depression. Like you said, self esteem is another word for depression. Uh, this hasn't surfaced yet, but I could imagine there may be some anxiety too oh, about the future, you know.
1: Super severely I'm anxious going to, on the initial testing. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. I'm going to
0: lose my job. So, um, so definitely, there there's a mood issue here. Um, at the same time, the way he responded to his boss was rather, um, from this perspective, a little bit unskillful, and so I imagine there may be some relationship issues too. Yeah,
1: and with his with his co-workers. So we've got three th- three conceptualizations, depression, anxiety and, and relationship problem. Right. Now, we have tremendous tools to help people overcome depression. Wonderful yes. methods. Fantastic methods to help people and quickly get over almost any type of anxiety. And we'll be talking about these in in the uh, immediately upcoming uh, podcast we've got beautiful uh, relationship tools uh, one of my books you didn't mention feeling good together is my latest book and it's oh, all I love about that book. yeah it's all about conflict with people and what causes it and and how how to how to turn it around yeah thank you for that those kind words and so he's got problems we've got solutions so we have a marriage made in heaven so should we go ahead and cure him now <laughs> well <laughs>
0: I, I know better, but I would say, "Oh yes, of course." <laughs> yeah, that's
1: what I used to do in the early days, yeah, and yeah. then I'd I'd run into resistance and wonder why people were being right. so uh, ordinary and yeah. unreasonable. I, I'm
0: here to help you. Come on, yeah,
1: yeah. let me help you. Yeah, um, so you have to think about re- resistance, and 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 the way you work with resistance is, depends on your personality. Uh, as well as the tools that, that we've developed and, and what's going on with, with the patient. Yeah. But um, the, the, the common denominator is, is to let the death of the therapist's codependent ego, the, the therapist's helping ego. The compulsion to help patients, the urge to help patients, while well, it's based on therapist's compassion, is, is is also the cause of nearly all therapeutic failure. And so in the, with the, the new uh, techniques that we've developed, the therapist instead becomes the patient you You turn into the patient's subconscious resistance and represent the resistance to the patient in in a flattering way with the idea that that maybe they they should not change and, and you list all the good reasons f- f- for that for them not to change and and then what um, usually happens i can 't say it happens a hundred percent of the time, but it's it 's ninety percent of the time or more suddenly the patient 's resistance disappears paradoxically, and they have this incredible urge to to work with you and to persuade you to work with them and and to want to change and If you want i 'll give you an example of how I did that with rain well
0: yes because uh, you know so far it looks like this um Fellow has not really expressed any resistance yet. So. No, so, no,
1: he's just very hungry and, right? and 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 eager. So. So how did you get to that? Well, what I, I said, Ramesh, is, uh, uh, Ramish, I'm I'm so glad, you know, that, that that you want help with with these particular problems uh, because I've got some some fantastic tools and I handed him a list that I've made of 50 ways to untwist your thinking. And,
0: and if I may interject, when when you're saying to someone that you have some fantastic tools, do you have a name for that.
1: Oh yeah, dangling the carrot. Yes, that's right. That, that's yeah. right. You dangle the carrot. That's <laughs> yeah. one of the uh, agenda setting tools. Uh, so you're saying, here, I've got what you want. And I handed him this list of 50 Techniques and say you you probably never heard of you know any of these these tools, but uh, they're they're very very powerful. Uh, But but the problem is I I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to accept you as my patient. And uh, that's not the message that most therapists give about this. He must have been surprised. Oh yes, he, he was shocked. He was taken aback. And he says, what, what do you mean you won't accept me as, as, as your patient? That, that's unfair. Uh, the, these tools look fantastic. The, the, this is what, what I need. You, you've got to accept me as your patient, doc, doc, Dr. Burns. Uh, so now he's chasing me, and now I'm going to play the role of his subconscious mind. And so what I said to him is, well, Ramesh, don't don't get me wrong, uh, but uh, and, and I, I'd love to work with you. I, I hope I can work with you but but there's this, this problem you've got to help me with, with first. And, and he said, well, yeah, I'll help you. What, what, what's your problem? And, and I said, here, here, here's my problem. You see, for me to, to show you how to overcome your low self-esteem and, and, and develop better relationships with, with the people at work, you're, you're going to have to do all the work. And you're going to have to work here in sessions changing the way you think, Learning to change the way you communicate with other people, and you're going to have to do psychotherapy homework an hour a day, seven days a week, even if you're not in the mood, and you're going to have to work your butt off. Now, would it work? I'm sure it would. Would I love to work with you? I would love to work with you. So you're
0: you're addressing the process resistance yeah. that we talked about last time.
1: Yeah. Exactly but 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 you see ramesh here's my problem it seems incredibly unfair to me that you should have to do the work when they're the ones who were screwed up and 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 some people would say well ramesh you're, you're paranoid uh but but i know for a fact you're not paranoid cuz you have the evaluation of your boss and it says right there that people are uh, talking about you behind your back and bad-mouthing yeah. you, so it's a fact. You have proof. Yeah, exactly. it's proof, exactly. It's proof. And so what I'm saying to, to myself is, why should Ramesh have to change and do all the work when they're the ones who were screwed up? That seems to me to be unfair.
0: Yeah.
1: You see? And that's Ramesh <laughs> talking. Do, do you
0: see what I mean? Yeah, because he's already thinking that... He, Albeit maybe unconsciously, but uh.
1: yeah, and to do this, the therapist also has to do what 's called sitting with open hands is give the per patient permission not to change if if, if that's if that 's where they 're at hmm. but this is frightening sometimes for therapists to use these techniques because it goes against the grain of their training and it goes against the grain of human nature as well because we so much want to help reach out and save somebody. Well, his response to that was, uh, uh, do- Dr. Burns, uh, I-, I-, I hear what you're saying, but if you're willing to work with me, I'll work harder. I'll do more homework than any patient you've ever had. I, I guarantee it. And I don't care if it's unfair. I need these tools because to tell you the truth, Dr. Burns, uh, I was lying to you a couple minutes ago. I said, yeah. oh, you were lying to me. What were you lying to me about, Ramesh? And he says, Dr. Burns, my boss didn't put me on probation. She fired me. And then he started crying, and, and he said, this is the sixth time this has happened to me in the last two years. Wow. And this was the early days of computer programming, uh, and, and and he says those are the only six places in Philadelphia, who who use the kind of programming I do. Yeah. And if you'll if you'll accept me as your patient, I'll I'll, I'll do anything, if if you'll only agree to, to help me change my life. And then I said, uh, R- R- Ramesh, uh, that's the message I was hoping to hear, and I, I just think the world of you. And uh, I'm so grateful to have the chance to, to work with you. And and he became the hardest working patient I've ever had. He started doing six hours a day of psychotherapy homework. That's amazing. And, and I said, you're not allowed to, to do that. You can only work an hour, two hours at the most. The rest of the time, you've got to look for a job. And within uh, t- about three or four weeks, he had turned all of his depression around, and he had learned what we'll talk about in a future podcast, The Five Secrets of Effective Communication. Yeah. He worked his ass off, and, and he was a brilliant guy. And he just became a master with, with these techniques. And then he got a job offer in Florida, and he said, uh, you know, what, what do you think I should do? Uh, and, and I said, why, why don't you tell him that you'll only accept the job on one condition? And that's that. Uh, your new boss would have to agree to sit down with you once a week for 15 minutes and criticize your performance, and then you mm-hmm. can use these techniques, you know, disarming techniques, stroking. Yeah. And he said, "Oh, he said that's that's brilliant." So he he he, he called him on the phone and said, I, "I'd love to come down and and, and work with you, uh, but here here's the requirement: my my new boss has got to agree to sit down and criticize me." every week for 15 minutes, all the mistakes I've made, because I'm determined to become the best employee you've ever had, and, and that's what I need to, to get the job done. They said, we've never heard of such a demand, but we're desperate, and we'll do it, we'll do it, we, we want to get you down here to Florida. Wonderful. And then uh, he, he uh, called me two months later, and uh, he said, just uh, guess who's been employee of the month for the last two months? And they put his picture in the hallway. And uh, he's just my boss's biggest complaint is that he can't think of anything to criticize me about because my work <laughs> and relationships are so great. So quite a turnaround. Yeah.
0: One thing that I, I noticed you know, when you were doing the this agenda setting with him is, um, and I think you, you went over this a little bit quickly, but you did both... The uh, process resistance, when you told him, you know, he's going to have to do all this work. Yeah. You also told him that, uh, you know, also addressed the uh, outcome resistance by, uh, you know, saying that, well, it's unfair that you would have to do all this work yeah. and let all, that, let all those people off the hook. Yeah. So I wonder if you could, like, separate the two and kind of, like, give us the the magical ingredient there that uh, some people may wonder you know how how did that happen
1: well the outcome resistance for depression as we talked about in the last podcast is is a lack of lack of acceptance external acceptance or internal acceptance and the internal acceptance is accepting the fact that we do make a lot of mistakes and we are flawed in a lot right. of ways and uh, and then the uh, outcome resistance for relationship problems is just maybe you don't want to get close to the person you're at odds with i didn't have to address his his outcome resistance because he was so desperate he was so tired of being fired that he was yeah, he was it, tired it, yeah. of, of being at odds with the world and he yeah. was saying it, I, i'm i'm ready to to connect yeah, with it people so, if, it sounds that way yeah, but, but i, I just went for the but for the, 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 the process the, resistance yeah. you know is it, yeah. to give up blame and, and accept all the responsibility yourself for solving the problem, and pinpoint what you're doing that causes the other person, in this case the other people, to get to get ticked mm-hmm. off at, at, at you. And that's that's what he said that he was he was willing to change himself and do all the work. That was yeah. a beautiful thing. Let me just give you the quick conclusion of this yeah. story without oh, getting yeah. overly long-winded. But he called back then, and in, in six months, and he had been his salary had doubled and he'd had two promotions, and he was just on top of the world, and I never never spoke with him again after mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But I always wondered what happened to him, and then he sent me a Christmas card about three years later, and and he says, Dr. Burns, uh, I, I hope you still remember me, <laughs> uh, and I just wanted to give you an update. Uh, it, it was a Christmas card then with a note on a piece of paper, a letterhead, on letterhead yeah, inside. Okay. And and, and and he says, I'm, uh, I'm married. I have a, a wonderful wife and a, and a beautiful baby daughter. And uh, everything is going great. Uh, and, and God bless you and thank you for the fantastic uh, things we did together. And and by the way, Dr. Burns, I just want you to take a look at the letterhead. And maybe you'll be be proud of your Ramesh and then the letterhead was ramesh so and so president blah 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 co- corporation oh. and he had then 500 employees he he moved all the way to 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 the top of the thing and he was right originally you know he did did deserve to be the head of the yeah head of the company but it's That's so right. sad how we sometimes hold ourselves That's back right. with depression with anger and yeah and what a joy it is to to see to see that kind of transformation in, in, in somebody
0: isn 't it wonderful when uh, our patients you know let us know you know months and years later how things have turned out and how uh, we may have made a difference in their lives
1: yeah and and that 's why I love the the new team therapy because we see even there in, in those days it took uh, well pretty fast it was still you know probably eight or ten sessions. Before we had gotten the job done, that was pretty fast by the earlier standards. But now I often see these profound changes the, the very first time I sit down with someone. And that that feels unbelievable to me. And it's just like getting high yeah. every time you see a patient. Because when their life gets changed, it, it touches you, the therapist. And, and I get high, high at the same time. Right, yeah. It's a fantastic uh, blessing to be able to do this.
0: So, do you think you could give a quick summary so that people can really grok that in our minds um, about? So, what is that thing that you do when you do the agenda
1: setting? You uh, bring the patient's resistance to conscious awareness. Right. And then you melted away, I've developed maybe 15 to 18, what we call them paradoxical agenda-setting te- techniques. Right. But the essence of the techniques is, is for the therapist to learn to become the patient, to become the patient's resistance, and to argue in an affectionate and respectful way, in an admiring way, give all the reasons for the patient not, not to change. In Ramesh's case, it was, why should I have to change when they're conspiring against me? Yeah. But you present that argument uh, to, to the patient and, right. and, and sitting with open hands, and then the patient doesn't have to resist anymore because you're promoting or representing the resistance in a very powerful way. So the patient doesn't have to, to resist anymore. Why this works in such a fantastic way, I'm not entirely clear uh,
0: well, I'm sure some very uh erudite uh, researchers might uh, look into this,
1: like the one i am looking at now Dr, <laughs> Dr. Fa well, thank may you have so have some much I, about it
0: i'm I'm more of a clinician than the researcher, but uh yes uh, thank you so much david so um uh so you said that you have a number of uh, paradoxical agenda setting methods and I'm sure that we will talk about some of those in the future. Um, it's good to know that you have some. Yeah, if some, we come back to it. I've arsenal. got some other
1: fantastic vignettes too on um, paradoxical agenda setting, funny ones and inspiring ones, but that'll be for another day.
0: One thing that I, I noticed is that you said that you become the patient. Yeah. In other words, even though you're past what, what we. Called the empathy phase, you're still being empathic because you're yeah. really putting yourself in the patient's
1: shoes. Yeah, it's a deeper form of, of empathy. Absolutely. And it, it also en- Absolutely. involves the kind of y- the death of your identity and you become yeah. the patient tem- yeah. temporarily.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh... And the
1: patient then has to heal you. And so the patient yeah. is healing himself or herself yeah. through. The therapist and we do that at the empathy level. We do that at the agenda setting level, yeah. and we uh, do that again in yet a different way at, at the methods level of the session. So it's 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 the opposite of of the way I was trained and the way most clinicians are trained. It's 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 very new and different way of conceptualizing and understanding psychotherapy.
0: Well, that that was a wonderful demonstration, uh, David. I think that uh, if of all podcasts we've done so far, I think this one is is really a key one that uh, people will want to uh, to uh, in the bookmark. Oh, thank so, you. I'm so, so I want to Well, I I sure did, and I hope everyone else does. Um, so, um, I want to thank you for for doing this today. This has been another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. For more information, visit Doctor Burns's website at feelinggood.com. Where you will find the show notes for this podcast under the blog page, and where you can leave your comments and questions. The website has an abundance of resources for therapists as well as non therapists, including books, workshops, a list of online training groups around the world, and much more. Theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast.